This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. On awaking, bless this day, for it is already full of unseen good which your blessings will call forth. For to bless is to acknowledge the unlimited good that is embedded in the very texture of the universe and awaiting each and all. On passing people in the street, on the bus, in places of work and play, bless them. The peace of your blessing will companion them on their way, and the aura of its gentle fragrance will be a light on their path. On meeting people and talking to them, bless them in their health, their work, their joy, their relationship to the universe, themselves, and others. Bless them in their abundance and their finances. Bless them in every conceivable way, for such blessings not only sow seeds of healing, but one day will spring forth as flowers in the waste places of your own life. As you walk, bless the city in which you live, its government and teachers, its nurses and street sweepers, its children and bankers, its priests and prostitutes. The minute anyone expresses the least aggression or unkindness to you, respond with a blessing. Bless them totally, sincerely, joyfully. For such blessings are a shield which protect you from the ignorance of their misdeed and deflects the arrow that was aimed at you. To bless means to wish, unconditionally, total, unrestricted good for others and events from the deepest chamber of your heart. It means to hallow, to hold in reverence, to behold with utter awe that which is always a gift from the Creator. He who is hallowed by your blessing is set aside, consecrated, holy, whole. To bless is yet to invoke divine care upon to speak or think gratefully for, to confer happiness upon, although we ourselves are never the bestower, but simply the joyful witnesses of life's abundance. To bless all without discrimination of any sort is the ultimate form of giving, because those you bless will never know from whence came the sudden ray that burst through the clouds of their skies and you will rarely be a witness to the sunlight in their lives. When something goes completely askew in your day, some unexpected event knocks down your plans, and you too also burst into blessing, for life is teaching you a lesson, and the very event you believe to be unwanted, you yourself call forth, so as to learn the lesson you might balk against were you not to bless it. Trials are blessings in disguise, and hosts of angels follow in their path. To bless is to acknowledge the omnipresent, universal beauty hidden to material eyes. It is to activate the law of attraction which, from the furthest reaches of the universe, will bring into your life exactly what you need to experience and enjoy. When you pass a prison, mentally bless its inmates in their innocence and freedom, their gentleness, pure essence, and unconditional forgiveness. For one can only be a prisoner of one's self-image, and a free man can walk unshackled in the courtyard of a jail, just as citizens of countries where freedom reigns can be prisoners when fear lurks in their thoughts. 
When you pass a hospital, bless its patients in their present wholeness. For even in their suffering, their wholeness awaits in them to be discovered. When your eyes behold a man in tears or seemingly broken by life, bless him in his vitality and joy. For the material senses present but the inverted image of the ultimate splendor and perfection which only the inner eye beholds. It is impossible to bless and judge at the same time. So hold constantly as a deep, hallowed, intoned thought the desire to bless. For truly then shall you become a peacemaker, and one day you shall behold everywhere the very face of God. P.S. And of course, above all, do not forget to bless the utterly beautiful person you are. From The Gentle Art of Blessing by Pierre Pradavant Valeria interviews Pierre Pierre Pradavant was born May 31, 1937, and grew up in London and Geneva. He studied at the universities of Geneva, Bern, and Ann Arbor, Michigan. Bearer of a doctorate in sociology from La Sorbonne University, Pierre worked for decades in personal development and social justice. His impressive career includes assignments in 40 countries on five continents as a researcher, coordinator of development programs, journalist, and international advisor. A sought-after speaker by French and English-speaking audiences, Pierre now lives in Switzerland where he writes, gives workshops on personal development, and how to include spirituality in everyday life, all of them bearing the living-in-a-different-way energy. Pierre is also a professional celebrant. For over 20 years, he has been accompanying an amazing Afro-American death row inmate from Texas, who has become a spiritual model for hundreds around the world. See his book on Roger W. McGowan, Messages of Life from Death Row. He also volunteers with a Geneva-based international NGO, the Women's World Summit Foundation, which is active in the field of decreasing violence against women and children. See www.woman.ch Author of 17 books in French, his best-known English books are The Gentle Art of Blessing, 365 Blessings to Heal Myself, and The World and Messages of Life from Death Row. Learn more about Pierre and his work on pierrepradavant.com. Here is the interview with Pierre Pradavant. In your own words, who is Pierre Pradavant? Who am I? Well, I would say that I'm a, a seeker and a person who's had the immense privilege of having had a very, very powerful mystical experience in my life, which gave me a totally new vision of life one based absolutely and totally on the allness of love, and especially which gave me such a sense of the infinitely benevolent universe we live in. Even this COVID-19 thing we're going through now, I believe, is a prodding on of the universe, telling us, look, fellows, you get your act together, do so now, if you don't do it now, it'll come again in 10, 15 years. But next time, I'm sorry, it will be extremely tough. So we are here basically, I believe, as healers. First of ourselves, because how can we heal around us if we haven't first healed ourselves? And then relationships, the environment, and especially the economy, which really needs it. Yes, yeah. And I've had the privilege of long professional life of 55 years, which has taken me to over 40 countries of the five continents. And I believe more and more that the ultimate power in every area is love. Wow. Thank you so much, Pierre, yeah, for the uh, wonderful and true message. And I'll be asking you more specific questions about that word, right? Love. Let's explore that more. 
So I have a few warm-up questions before we talk about your second book, 365 Blessings to Heal Myself and the World. So my first warm-up question is, what is life to you? Well, I believe I have a vision of one, it said, two basic understandings of the world in, in world religions and spirituality. One is a dualist vision, which is that of 90% of religions and spiritual paths, where you have God at the top of a high mountain, and we uh, believers are struggling up to get that, to get to the top of the mountain sooner or later. And depending on lie, it was brought up in a very Presbyterian Calvinist background, where sin seemed to be the dominant thing. And the mountain not only was steep, but it was covered with soap. And uh, on Sunday, we would get to church and be told that we were terrible sinners, incapable of doing anything good by ourselves. And after 20 years of that, I decided that it wasn't my path. And I looked for years and then found a non-dual teaching. And in a non-dual approach, represented, for instance, by Joel Goldsmith, who is a great American mystic of the last century, and founded a path called the Infinite Way. In that vision, we are already at the top of the mountain, one with the divinity, and only the fog prevents us from seeing. <laughs> I like that. Our, our effort is not climb, painfully climb the mountain, scratching our knees and sweating all along, but just blowing away the marriage of these clouds and feeling oneness with the divine. As Joel Goldsmith says, we are God expressing itself. There is only one I, and that I is God, and we are that Godhead expressing herself in the world. <laughs> That's wonderful. What do you think is the opposite of life? Well, I wanted to reply <laughs> instantaneously. There is no opposite. Mm. In the non vision, God being absolutely all in all, there is nothing but the divine expressing itself. Now, on the human level, which we are still bound to, there appears to be things like war and disease and, and death and all forms of suffering, that these are just part of the illusion we are called to get over. I've had three instantaneous healings in my life of serious conditions, and I mean instantaneous in a matter of seconds, which to me proves that there's another reality right behind that sort of marriage where I was, that curtain where I seemed to be suffering. Suddenly, something pulled the curtain away, and I was totally fit. As the great Sufi poet Rumi says, you know, this world is illusion behind the veil. All is perfect. So all is perfect behind the veil. It's just a matter of um, being able to, um, to remove gently exactly. that veil. <laughs> right. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Pierre? Good question. I would say, for me, freedom ultimately is not responding negatively to any negative situation mm. in our environment. True freedom is a state of total equanimity. And uh, I've just, you know, I'm uh, well advanced in years. I'm over 80. And I have just gotten here in the recent years. But it, you know, I have the impression now that nothing can shake my equanimity. Well, I love that, yeah. That being the definition of freedom, right? At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? Well, clearly for me, the greatest need is for healing in absolutely every area. Healing of the environment, healing of relations between nations, healing between individuals, healing of our vision of life, and especially healing of an economic system, of a win-lose economic system, which ultimately, as the COVID thing teaches us, is lose-lose for everyone. Because nobody is, you know, immune yeah. to this tiny little virus, tiny little thing, and tiny, which 
weighs a, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of an ounce, and that little bug has upset the whole world economy, that should start making us think. And for perf- personally, for 55 years, I've been fighting for a win-win system that works for all, and that is the only system that will enable us to reach a world that works. And I'm very rarely categorical, Valeria, because we live in such a complex universe and world, and who can claim to understand everything or even a fraction of what's going on? But on this point, I am very categorical. And this is from a spiritual understanding. It doesn't come from an intellectual analysis. The only solution to the healing of the world is a win-win approach for a world that works for all. That all is the animals and the water and everything. We must we must create a system which where financial profit is no more the the basic force driving force of the economy, but service, service and balance and love are the driving forces. Wow. I love that, though. I love that idea, the vision. Yeah, that's a wonderful vision. Do you think it's possible that this could happen? Valeria. So, hopefully soon. <laughs> Unless we arrive there, Valeria, we will not survive. Period. Yes, that's true. So, I think everything that happens in life, and I mean everything on an individual level, is a blessing. I went Some years ago, I went through a, a terrible tsunami where everything was wiped under my feet. A fabulous marriage of 26 years. And uh, my energy dropped to the floor. Hence my workshop, my workshops uh, fell through and they were my source of income. So my income dropped. And to crown everything, my spiritual path of close to 40 years just blew into smithereens. One of these would have been quite a challenge. The five together, Valeria, were just unbearable. I didn't see, I even had suicidal thoughts. I didn't see how I'd get out of the dark valley with huge granite cliffs on each side. And of course, grace intervened. And today, Valeria, I say thank you for that help. And my marriage is repaired. And I live, my wife is the person I admire most in the world, the world servant. And she started a foundation for women and children, which is doing extraordinary work worldwide. And uh, so I feel so, so blessed. And I bless that dark valley, the valley of the shadow of death. Today, I say thank you for walking me through that valley. What an amazing thing to say. Be grateful even for the challenges right, of life. I've shared it so much in my workshops and people have expressed such gratitude because, you know, for for years, people put me on a little pedestal or even quite a big one. I'm a fairly well-known writer in this part of the world. I was the first to start this kind of workshops in this part of the world. And I'm, I've been very in, engaged on a humanitarian level, especially for a death row inmate in Texas who spent 25 years on death row for a crime we know he didn't commit. And all that's been fairly well known, that it was one of the best Swiss, the best French-Swiss TV show, did a whole one-hour show on this commitment to this friend in Texas. And to hear that this guy they put on a pedestal fell right down to the bottom of the bottom of the pit, well, they find that very helpful. And that's the only reason I share this story is to say, I know that even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, it is for your good. Mm, yeah. I love your wisdom. Thank you. My next question is about love. So the question based, it's very basic. What is love to you? But before you answer that question, please tell me about the experience you had, which you call the vision that grounded my life, that in which you felt unconditional love as the only cause, effect, power, reality, the all in all there is. 
paraphrasing you. Thank you, Valeria, <laughs> for asking me that question, because this experience is the grounding of my whole life. This experience has shaped my whole vision of the universe, of the world, of relationships, and of myself. I was, at that time, I, I, you know, I've traveled around the world. I lived many years in Africa. I was a founding member in the 70s, one of the founding members of what became the largest grassroots peasant network in the whole of Africa with hundreds of thousands of members in the Sahel. And these were little, small peasants, not big things you have in the middle in the Midwest, in the States, these big, huge farms. No, these were farmers with a few acres just eking out their living. And I'd been to the board meeting of this meeting. I was, at the time, the only white man on the board. I had come from Geneva to Burkina Faso, which is a country just north of Ghana in the Sahel, a landlocked country. And uh, the last day of the meeting, I caught dysentery. Now, at the beginning, it's not too serious. It can become serious. But at the beginning, you know, you just, it's a bother because you have to run to the toilet the whole time. And at the time, I wasn't using medicine to heal myself. I, for many, many years, over 35 years, I used a purely spiritual medicine. So I did my spiritual work in the afternoon, and in the evening, it felt better. And I went out to dinner with an African friend in an African restaurant. And the next day, I was returning home. On the way to the airport, it started all over again. And in the plane, I was sitting next to a little unaccompanied boy, you know, with his little a little board on his chest with his name, address, parents, phone number, and all that. And the stewardess taking care of him was so kind, expressed such gentleness, as if she were his mother. She would constantly come and, you know, check that he were okay. And I was working with my statements, mantras, spiritual lessons and praying and all that. And suddenly she, she came and spoke with a special kindness to him. Suddenly I felt such gratitude for this woman. woman it became literally a cosmic gratitude. And suddenly I was projected out of the plane. Mentally, of course. I was no longer in the plane. I was no longer in time or in space, except a space where there was nothing but love. The only thing I felt was love, and this was entirely on the level of the heart. My mind, my ego, had completely disappeared. Pierre Pradovan had completely disappeared. The only thing I was aware of was this infinite, cosmic, universal, powerful love. Love was the only cause, the only effect, the only law, the only reality, the only presence, the only power, the only substance. Love was literally everything. And for some moments, I don't know if it lasted minutes or half an hour, because I was out of time completely, for a while, the divine consciousness was my consciousness. I'd completely lost any sense of ego, of being a little Swiss citizen with his little Swiss passport in his pocket. I had no consciousness of myself. Divine love, this cosmic love, was my consciousness. And suddenly I came back into the plane. I felt something churning in my intestines. And in a matter of seconds, the dysentery had disappeared. But of course, the real healing was my vision of the world. But can you believe it, Valeria? You laugh, but it, it took me 20 years almost to understand what I had happened. The British, the British speak of being a slow learner. Well, I'm one of those slow learners. But what counts is not the speed of the learning. What counts is to learn the lesson. Wow. And now this, this vision, this feeling... I insist on this, Valeria. It was a feeling. It's the very basis, the very grounding of my life. I have a, you know, a doctorate. Uh, I've good, done good studies. I could be in front of a thousand scientists telling me, Mr. Pradovan, the night before in that African restaurant, you must have <laughs> eaten a hallucinogenic <laughs> mushroom. <laughs> that it, I look at them 
and smile because of the knowledge I felt, Valeria, is totally different from anything I've experienced in my mind in my whole lifetime. And unless, and this is the, this kind of experience is not infrequent in mystical experiences. I've read some from all around the world. In this experience, your knowledge, your understanding, your knowing is on a non-mental level. It's got nothing to do, nothing with the mind, the brain. It is a given understanding, a given understanding. Mm. I have heard um, many people express this, um, try to put into words what that is. We don't have words even to express it, but it can be felt. Isn't that amazing? It can be felt. No, of course not. I... That is the essence of the experience, Valeria. I felt the truth. My... Uh, I, until now, I'd known the truth intellectually. I was so proud of my doctorate, 900 pages with <laughs> a thousand references. <laughs> and I threw it away, threw it away, my last copy 25 years ago, because all this was, you know, dust in the wind. It has nothing to do with real life. It's just a form of vanity, you know, to get your trade union card <laughs> on the intellectual level. But I, I, when I, I don't even mention that I have a doctorate. It's very rare, especially in the States where everybody puts their little PhD after their, their name if they have a doctorate. I never, never do that. Right. For me, that's not real life. It's, it's necessary. It's a tool to advance, but it's not real knowledge. Yeah, real spiritual knowledge, right? Uh, the question is, if it takes this kind of experience to know the truth, do you think that's possible <laughs> that in our lifetime still, everyone who inhabits Earth can uh, have these kinds of experiences to realize the truth? Valeria, my path is one among, among thousands. Every, when you read mystical experiences, authentic ones, every mystical experience is absolutely unique. Mm, right. These are hamburgers <laughs> in a McDo that's given out like that. No, the divine mind, the divine love doesn't dole out mystical experiences like hamburgers. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Everyone is absolutely unique, tailored to the person, to their character, to the time, to what they will do with that experience. You see, I have a very... I insist a lot in my talks and workshops on spirituality that spirituality is not a nice little consumer good we eat in the corner of our room in our cozy home. Spirituality is to heal the world, not only ourselves. Mm. Of course, we first, first need to heal ourselves. Otherwise, we'll start projecting our, our problems and com complexes onto the world. But once we found this deep inner healing, this unshakable equanimity, then we use this to heal the world. Why do you think I wrote on 365 blessings to heal the world, myself and the world, but to heal the world? I can't stop it myself, because in the non-dual vision, all is one. All is the divine expression. All is the expression of the divine energy. The polar bear dying of hunger on a drifting iceberg is my brother, just as my wife is my sister or my neighbor is my brother. Wow. The tree being felled, the 400-year-old sequoia tree being felled to make toothpicks is my brother. Yeah, that is uh, such a powerful understanding when you know that everything is the expression of the absolute, whatever we call God, creation, the divine. What do you think is the ultimate purpose of being in a human body and having the experience here on earth? Valeria, ask God. <laughs> Valeria, I think, you know, somewhere uh, we chose to incarnate. We chose our incarnation, we chose our parents to learn the number of lessons we know we have to learn. 
And uh, I told you I've been befriending this de former death row inmate in Texas, Roger McCowan. And for listeners who would be interested, there is a website, Roger McGowan, M-C-G-O-W-E-N, or linked rogermcgowan.org. And this man has become a spiritual teacher for me. And uh, we, he was incarcerated for completely wrong reasons. He was as if you're poor and black in Texas, your chances of having real justice are very minimal. He had a, a drunken lawyer who never visited him before the trial, who prepared his defense of his clients on the basis of the police report condemning his client, and his lawyer fell asleep in court during the trial of his own client. He, could, he would snore so loudly the whole courtroom could hear him, and, you know, attendant didn't even wake him up. And we, we learned lots of strange things I think even better not to say uh, publicly uh, about the trial and all sorts of funny things. And he was condemned to death. And he put an ad in the uh, small newspaper. Uh, what's that wonderful British organization, international organization, for, for the defense of human rights? Oh, the, the name slips in my mind. It'll come back to me. Right. Uh, I'm not aware of that. And he started corresponding with one or two people who responded to his request for correspondence. And one lady in Zurich, uh, who I met later, uh, they put a, an execution date uh, 10 years after his entry to prison. And she started contacting all her friends saying, we, we just can't allow this to happen. And friends told her to contact me, and we created a little committee. We each put a few thousand dollars, and we hired a lawyer who was able to cancel the date of execution, not the death sentence. And he and I started corresponding, and his letters were so incredible. I thought, I can't keep them for myself. They belong to, the, to humanity. And so as a writer, because I'm also a writer, I wrote a book of these letters, and I have an extraordinary publisher, amazing, amazing publisher, who accepted to publish a book which was totally different from anything they had ever published. And this book worked very well, and people started sending in considerable sums of money. One woman just made an inheritance, and she sent $50,000 just from reading that book. So we hired a good lawyer who got him off, off death row. He's now in an quotes, normal prison, and we hope to get him out of that. And uh, his correspondence is so, so amazing. When we started corresponding, he said, you know, you pull me forward, Pierre, spiritually speaking. Well, it, quite a few years, the roles have been reversed, and Roger pulls me forward. He's become a spiritual giant to the point of saying, I am at my right place at the moment, and the day it will be right for me to leave it, heaven, providence will organize that. And he's, he's totally changing the, the culture of a prison of 2,300 inmates in Huntsville, Texas. It's amazing what is happening in that prison. is just stunning. And so each one finds his own path. This man was, you know, that's the path maybe, or I believe he chose before coming on earth. And uh, if he'd had a little comfortable life, he had, when he was arrested, he was running a small Italian restaurant in uh, one of the poorest sections of Houston. If he'd continued his job, he might have had a few kids, a, a quote, normal life, quote, totally uneventful, going to hell like my tsunami in the canyon, forced him to grow, and now he's pulling hundreds, if not thousands, of people along with him. So everything has meaning in life. We are here because we chose to be here to accomplish a certain task. And if listeners of this program haven't yet found their task, well, just trust. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Ask that your path be clearly shown to you. And as Mary Baker Eddy, a remarkable spiritual thinker of the 
19th century in the States, as she said in this sentence, has helped me so much in life. A deep sincerity is sure of success because God takes care of it. I repeat, a deep sincerity is sure of success, but God takes care of it. And that statement is by Mary Baker Eddy. That was a wonderful answer, yeah. That shows how everything's connected and we all have, like you said, our unique path. And the answer is really trust. <laughs> That's the, hit the nail on the head at the moment, Valeria. Trust for me has become the number one virtual quality, even before love, because to love, I must trust that love is a power that works. So basically, at the basis of everything in all human relationships, there is consciously or unconsciously a basis of trust. Yeah, so true, Pierre. So let's talk about your work. What was the inspiration and the intention of writing your book, 365 Blessings to Heal Myself and the World? And also, how is your second book different from your first book, The Gentle Art of Blessing? Well, First, I'm explain that uh, how I discovered blessing. I was working for a small group of non-governmental organizations in French-speaking Switzerland, and I'd organized a new program to inform schools. That well, this was in the early '80s, so that none nothing of this existed on the, the main north-south issues. This, these were just coming up in the public consciousness in in the press. And I was totally dedicated to myself. As a matter of fact, I was so dedicated to this that I'd asked for funds to to organize a roving exhibit on hunger for schools. And they, my sponsors told me, sorry, Pierre, you, you can't do it. We don't have the money. I took $25,000 out of my own bank account, Valeria, to organize this exhibit, which worked very well. It was talking about in the press. My sponsors were, it's never happened in the experience of these four organizations that an employee would invest his own money to do his work better. But there was one guy in these organizations who just hated my guts. He was a militant atheist, and I think there was something a bit spiritual in me that he really bothered him. I told him once that I got up at 4.30 in the morning to meditate, and from that day on, he must have decided I was completely crazy, and he decided he wanted to get rid of me, and he managed to convince his colleagues, because at the time, I discovered something called the Hunger Project, which was an American campaign to end hunger by the year 2000. My exhibit on hunger for schools was called Ending Hunger Today, and they had applauded this. The American campaign, which I was a grassroots member, it had, you know, offshoots in many countries around the world, was called The Hunger Project, and the slogan was Ending Hunger by the Year 2000. Well, they, these uh, organizations were as leftist, and as this campaign came from the United States, they didn't approve of its methods, and especially not the slogan, and they forbid me to speak about this campaign to end hunger in the schools. Whereas I, they'd applauded my exhibit, roving exhibit on hunger. It was a total contradiction. And one day I was called up to a meeting and I was told, look, Pierre, either you stop saying we can end hunger by the year 2000 because the American Hunger Project says it, or you quit your job. This went against everything ethical, I believed it. And I couldn't be unfaithful to myself just to keep my job. So I quit my job. And uh, so they didn't have to pay me any compensation, anything. And I developed the most huge resentment in the world, Valeria. It was eating me up, eating me up completely. And uh, I knew I had to get rid of it because I knew I was harming myself. And... Uh, I meditated, prayed, did all sorts of right things for months, but it just would not let go of me. And one day reading the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' statement, bless those who curse you. Ah, 
Suddenly, I saw that it was a reply. Of course, Pierre. <laughs> All you have to do is bless them. On the spot, I started blessing them in their health, their finances, their family life, their work, their relationships, every imaginable, imaginable way I could think of. And, uh, and I continued doing this for weeks. And then suddenly, a few months later, in the street, I started blessing people at the post office, on the bus, on the train. I, I took the train long, a lot at that time. I would go the whole length of each train, both ways, from one end to the other, to be sure to bless every single person on that train. It became so wonderful. And I started having powerful healing experiences practicing this. And one day I was writing a, a talk for an international youth meeting in Zurich, and while I was writing the talk, the talk was called Healing the World, I received this gust of inspiration and this little text, The Gentle Art of Blessing, literally was dictated to me. It's never happened before or since in my life. I was like a scribe under orders. Just this text fl flowed and I started sharing it in letters and uh, with friends from all over the world and they said, and I started receiving reports of healing, and I gave it to my publisher. He said, Pierre, you must write a book on this. So that was the basis of the first book in French, which was later translated and published by Simon and Schuster, The Gentle Art of Blessing. And that, that book was translated later, later in six different languages, including Danish and quite a few uh, out of the ordinary languages. And, uh, it's, I started sharing some of the healings I was being told about through this practice. And many, many years later, having received, uh, that was, I guess, about 25 years later, I had such a stock of healings from all around the world that you will find on my blessing website. It's called just gentleartofblessing.org, all linked, gentleartofblessing.org. You'll find testimonies from all around the world. And so I knew this heals. And it gave me the inspiration to write the second book, which is just a book of blessings on all the topics imaginable. Even things like making love, because I, I believe that everything can be enveloped in blessing if it stems from a good motive. Yeah, I love the intention and the um, the vibration of your work. It can be felt too. I have a copy of your book. So talk to me about the word blessing. That has been associated with religious beliefs. What is blessing to you exactly? For me, blessing means sending a focused love energy to a person or a situation or a country. It's not the traditional. In, in French, the word blessing has such heavy religious, uh, religious liturgical connotations. My publisher and I have decided not even to use it in the title of the book because it turns, the, in French, the word turns most people away. What I mean by blessing is sending this focused love energy to people and situations. And it works. There are such lovely, my favorite healing is a story of this, this head of a large supermarket chain in Switzerland, and he gets into a bad depression. He's uh, sent off to a psychiatric clinic where he stays for months, being, you know, drugged with drugs. I mean, you know what it is in these clinics, and especially modern psychiatry. They believe that you can heal people with a drug. You may be. You can assuage symptoms, but you can't heal. And uh, he, after two, three months, he resumed his job as a supermarket chief, and he started sliding down the hill again, and he rushed off to his psychiatrist, and his psychiatrist said, this is amazing. Mr. Ullman, I'm sorry, I refuse to give you any drugs. A psychiatrist telling this to his clients, here is what I give you. And he gave this man my book, The Gentle Art of Blessing, mm. and Tolly's book, The Power of Now. 
And this gentleman threw himself into blessing. And it just transformed his life, pulled him straight out of the pit. And he says, as a supermarket chief, believe me, I had so I have so many opportunities to bless all day long. And I just love that that story. Right. And that shows clearly how healing it is to carry this focused love, as you mentioned. I love that. That sentence, beautiful, uh, which also doesn't take away our responsibility to act and to participate in life. Right, Pierre? I've been, a, one can say, an activist for social change my whole life. I, When I was in Africa, I started a grassroots magazine that uh, became a huge success in French-speaking Africa. This was a grassroots educational magazine on basic development issues for for families and people, any persons involved in educating a population that was basically 80% illiterate. And we were the first magazine on the whole African continent to speak of uh, female circumcision. The first one in French-speaking Africa to speak of family planning. And and uh, now I'm very involved in uh, volunteering in, in a foundation for women and children and I've been supporting my friend up on death row in Texas now for that makes 24 years. So for me, spirituality is not uh, a nice little thing. You consume a little cubicle. The world is in a, in a raging storm. No, spirituality is everyday life lived in a different way. Yeah, in a way there's nothing that's not spiritual, right? Everything is. Exactly. Oh, you said it, Valeria. Everything, if we're in a non-dual oneness approach to life, everything is the divine expressing itself. Yes. So I have a few questions for you. My final questions um, on this section, and then I have my final section with a few more questions. So in day... 224, you talk about the title is For the Healing of Fear. That's what the blessing is directed to. So my question is, why is healing from fear or healing fear is such a challenge for most of us? Well, I'd like to say fear for me stands for false evidence appearing real. That's what fear is all about. And I think we all go through fear. I've had periods of tremendous fear in my life. It's part of our growing. But when we can get into, again, a feeling, a stress feeling of contact with the divine, fear automatically drops away. Fear is not going to disappear with prayers or reading texts or listening to church sermons or going to the psychotherapist. It may help. But real feeling, real freedom from fear comes from feeling the presence of the divine. Because the presence of the divine is so overpowering, so gentle, so strong, so, so total that nothing else is left to be felt. We have, there's a lot of work before you get there, but it's possible. And always speaking about this evening, Valeria, is what is possible. We're not asked to reach perfection immediately or here now, but we are asked to try our best. And so many people, this isn't a, a spiritual statement in any special way. Any good course on personal development would be telling you the same thing. Right. right. We yeah. are here to do our best, period. And that's true. Yeah, it's so true. I love the way you start um, the book with day one, blessing the day. It's all about being grateful for this. And I love the way you say it. Um, you say, blessing this day in the fullness of good it already contains. And then you go on to blessing myself because everything starts here, right? If you can heal, you have to heal here first in order to um, send that love to others. That's very wonderful the way you do it. Um, there's a lot of um, deep understanding. 
Uh, yeah, it just makes me smile. <laughs> Could I just add here that blessing stems from a deeply felt compassion. It's 100% heart energy, nothing on the level of the mind. And, you know, there's so many. When I'm very sensitive to the situation of children having lived a long time in very poor third world countries. And the the plight of street children is just unbelievable, terrible. The plight of the millions of children around the world who are forced into prostitution. The children who are child soldiers at 12 years old carrying weapons. There's such a lot of suffering on this planet which needs our deep, deep compassion. And that the essence of blessing for me is the deepest compassion. Yes, yes, a thousand times to that, Pierre. Compassion, the deep, the way you say it, right? Which reminds me of um, unconditional love. Uh, Would you like to add anything within the subject of blessing before I ask you my final questions? I could speak the whole day. (laughs) Yeah. Enjoy our session together. I would like to add that blessing stems not only from compassion, but from gratitude and joy. It must never be done from a sense of duty. Mm-hmm. Never. Wow. Always be that sense of uplift, gratitude. The very fact that you have the knowledge to be able to bless in today's world is just incredible. It means you have education. You are among a privileged section of the world population which has a significant education and a still smaller segment of the world, segment of the world population, which has spiritual education. So we have so many things to be grateful for. And that's true. Yeah, I love the way you connect gratitude and joy to it, right? To that sense of compassion. Yeah. Um, So my final questions to you, uh, one, two, perhaps three. Uh, What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself as of today? Good, good question. Well, I think think my whole life, I realized because of an incident that happened in my childhood, my whole life I have attempted to control everything, to be constant control. And, And the spiritual path I adopted for... 35 years, was a path of rigid control, very rigid. And uh, then I went through the valley of the shadow of death. And one of the great lessons I learned was letting go. And today, I rejoice in the unknown, which is the contrary of a life that I can control. I can't control the unknown. But if you trust in love, divine direction. There's this wonderful verse in the Old Testament in Exodus, book of Exodus, that says, I shall send an angel before you to guard you on your way and to take you to the place I have prepared. I just love that verse. If we believe again, we come back to trust, Valeria, we can let go and look forward to the unknown Yeah, that's such a powerful thing to do for a human being, to let go, to surrender, right? To accept and trust and love. I love the way you said that too. So I guess that was the main lesson. Yeah, Uh, and it's one that most of us are still learning. (laughs) Every day. Yes. We are all learners, Valeria. Anybody who, I think I've arrived when I run away from (laughs) All right. In a way, there's no destination, right, Pierre? Um, so my next question is about healing. What is another word for healing? Making whole. The original word is health comes from a, a root which means whole and healthy. It's the same root. So being healthy means being whole. And my next question has to do with death. 
If you knew you would die soon, meaning leaving the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Valeria, thank you for that question. <laughs> for years, in my workshops, because I run workshops, yeah. I have been saying that for me, death is a total non-event. Total non-event. And I, I see, you know, this COVID thing has raised such a fear of death. First, I have absolutely no fear of this COVID thing. If it happens or not, it's not up to me to know that. And I have such a trust that we continue on our path of growth. I've read too many near-death experiences not to know that what is awaiting us is fabulous, is glorious, and that uh, I will have the most wonderful welcome party the other side. How long it will last, I don't know. Um, that I have such a trust in the universe that uh, she up there who runs everything, not he, she, is preparing something monumentous and fabulous for us all, which is ultimate perfection. I think that's what we're in for. So I know I'm going to continue learning, I won't say for all my earthly journey, for all my existence journey, whether I will reincarnate or not, I haven't the foggiest idea. Just trust again, Valeria. Trust, trust, trust that all is well. Yeah, yeah. Would you change anything? I know you're not afraid of leaving the body, but would you make any change if you knew for sure, like a certain date, a month, two, three, four, from now you wouldn't be here in this uh, relative reality anymore? Would you change anything or do anything differently? I don't think I would. I might go off for a weekend with my dear, beloved wife, who, as I said, does not my most on the planet. Probably I would like to take a few days off with her, but uh, we've prepared that on both sides. We're totally ready for that. And so, no, I wouldn't wow. change anything. I'd, I'd say goodbye to my good yeah. friends, of course. Yeah. But that's all. That's wonderful. What a wonderful answer. And my last question, what are three things about life you know for sure? Oh, good question, Valeria. Well, n number one, you already know, my reply, is that ultimately, infinite love runs the whole universe. Second is that all there is to life is a learning experience. We are here to learn lessons to help us on the path towards infinite perfection. And the third, I have already given the reply, but I will repeat it, that we will only manage to solve world problems on the basis of a win-win solution that works for all, a win-win world that works for all, nature included, of right. course. Wonderful. These are my basic convictions. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for your presence and for our conversation. Thank you so much, Pierre. You're so welcome and a tremendous blessing to all who are listening to this program. Bless you from the bottom of my heart in your overflowing peace, your radiant joy, and your infinite trust. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Well, my books, uh, you'll find them on my book website, which is pierrepredevan.com, which is at the bottom of my, of my emails. My, my activities on the spiritual level are on my which I continue, this is my, my main concern, are on the website gentleartofblessing.org. And my work activities, rather my workshops, alas, the site is only in French, so I don't think that will be very helpful for the readers. Thank you so much again, Pierre, and we'll talk soon. Wonderful. Thank you. Bye-bye, Maria. Bye for now. Again, goodbye and blessings to all who listen. Thank you. Thank you, Pierre. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Pierre Pradavant, please visit his website, pierrepradavant.com.
learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.